Welcome back to the podcast formerly known as the Top 4 Review. After much discussion and debate, we've decided to rename ourselves Footy Weekly, the Premier League Review Show. We like it. We hope you love it. But on today's show, we have the normal one beats the special one. Goliath pummels David at Villa Park. Redemption for Southampton. Chelsea give Burnley a case of the blues. United cruise past bottom Norwich. And Arteta sees red. <laughs> I'm your host and Liverpool supporter, Andrew Scanlon. And I'm joined by my brother and fellow red, Stephen Scanlon. What's good, Stephen? Uh, tough, tough uh, W. Uh, over Tottenham, Will fought game. Uh, I think we were lucky to escape with the three points. But, you know, at this point in the season, we'll take them any way we can get them. A win's a win in my book. A win is a win. Um, we also are joined by Chelsea supporter and Tammy Abraham lover, Paul Hogan. Give me something good, Paul. Racking up the goals. He's just keeping it going. In the words of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, if I have to choose between Lingard or Jones, I will choose or. <laughs> <laughs> that is my quote of the year. <laughs> And finally, we're joined by the Gooner himself, Shane Samwell. How are we feeling, Shane? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. It's another day and I just ate. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Love to hear it, brother. Love to hear it. We have a great show today and so much to cover, so let's get right into it with league leaders, Liverpool. They went away to Tottenham. They they won 1-0. It was the game of the week for us. Uh, Goal from Bobby Firmino. Best start to a season of any team in history of Europe's top five leagues with 61 points from 21 matches. I would like to repeat that. Best start to a season of any team in history of Europe's top five leagues with 61 points in 21 matches. Yep. It's pretty fucking impressive. Very impressive indeed. So typical Mourinho parked the bus against us. I think he actually had to this time, uh, given their current injury situation. They were strictly just going to play counterattack against this Liverpool team. Liverpool had tons of chances, especially uh, two chances in the first minute of the game. Unfortunately, couldn't capitalize on that. Um, and Spurs just couldn't finish their counterattacks. Um, Hyun Ming Sung had an absolute sitter that he put over into the rafters. Uh, if, he, if he hit that one, it would have been a tie game. But, Stephen, like you said, this was, a, this was a tough game for the Reds. Oh, my God, yeah. You know, coming into it. You know, felt a little bit shaky about it just because it's Mourinho and you never know what he's going to pull off. But, you know, a lot, he lined up exactly what we would expect with, um, you know, completely having the, the bus stuck in reverse. The entire first 45 minutes, obviously Liverpool were pressing them the entire time. I have no idea how we didn't get that opening goal in the first two minutes there, you know, going off the post um, from Firmino and then the Oxlade-Chamberlain off the post. Um, I could not believe that. We didn't get an opening uh, goal in that first two minutes. That would have changed the entire game. Um, but then, you know, in the second half, I think you have to tip your hat to Mourinho because, like you said, I think they kind of had to play this way, and he almost pulled it off at the end there. I mean, you mentioned Suns miss, but also Lo Celso in that back post goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I thought that was side knitting all day, and somehow he, he missed the net completely, but – Tough finish. I mean, I, yeah, tough, tough finish. finish. No, it definitely was. But, I mean, in the end, when I was looking at it, uh, in the, especially in the first half, I thought Robertson and Alexander Arnold were pretty, uh, pretty poor. To be honest, they were very, uh, very sloppy going forward. 
Um, and l- luckily in the second half, uh, Bobby with that brilliant touch in the box where he will get us one, and that was luckily enough for us. Yeah, that, that feint was just unbelievable by Bobby just to bury it in the side netting. But, no, I agree. I, I think I think Mourinho got his tactics spot on. I mean, we usually give him shit just because he's always parking the bus against a team like Liverpool. But this time around, he, he had to. You know, he has, he has no Harry Kane. He's just going to play strictly on the counter. And, and that defense has just been giving up goals. So he, he, he had to play five in the back. I think it did go to a four in the back at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, I, I, I completely think that he got his tactics spot on. And, and those fans in that, in that stadium in, in London, the new stadium, um, really gave it to Liverpool. I mean, they made that game exciting. They made that game tough for the Reds, but uh, ultimately we were able, able to come through. But, Paul, I mean, you, uh, you've, you've been a critic of Spurs this season. Do you think that they were better with, without Kane? Um, I think they were better off this game uh, stylistically, like you said, playing on the counter. They were able to play with Lucas Mora and uh, Son as their kind of strikers up top, uh, interchanging. And against the Reds, we knew, you know, Liverpool would dominate most of the game. So having the quickness up there to counter. I think was the right move for them. And, you know, there no way are they a better team without Harry Kane on, on their team. But as far as this game goes, like you guys said, um, Mourinho got the tactics spot on and had a shot at it. And credit to Klopp beating Mourinho for the first time in his career. Yeah, for Liverpool, I think that was the first time in his career for sure. Right. But um I, I I completely agree with you. I just think that if Kane was in there for that sun over the net shot, he would have buried that. He would have put yeah. that top corner and I mean, maybe he comes on as a substitute, but Exactly, yeah. yeah. That would be ideal. But I mean, I don't know. As a manager, you can't not start Harry Kane if he's uh, oh, of course. healthy. So Of course. And that's what that's catch the twenty two. Yeah. Right, and that's the issue Pochettino had. Right. Last year in the Champions League final, you know, Kerry Kane's injured for most of that run. Lucas Moore has a hat trick the game before. You have to play Harry Kane in that final. And I think that ended up biting him in the ass in the end. But um, Shane, Shane, going to you, this has usually been a tough January for Liverpool under Klopp. Right now they're 3-0. and um, Do you think he's kind of learned from his mistakes in the past, better management during the festive period? No, um, no, I don't think it has. He's learned from his mistake. I think what it is, we need to look back to that game against Barcelona, and Liverpool overcame a four-goal deficit, which I predicted, by the way. You yes, he did. You did. <laughs> and they have used that momentum to propel them into the season. If we look at the way Liverpool started the season, they started the season as champions. No one. Every everyone has to wait until they get their turn. If you get injured chances are you might not get your place when you get back from injury. And another thing that's changed with the front three is the front three is now picking their spots. Before they were going gung-ho for 90 minutes, they're picking their spots because they're more comfortable with each other. So it's a combination of that win over Barcelona in addition to recruitment. Liverpool recruited smartly. They didn't do too much in the transfer window, but they're strengthening key areas as well as having youth playing. They also has a solid cup run, and they've prioritized the Champions League and the league. So they started the season with a clear mission, and that momentum is just keep building. Um, honestly speaking, I think they're going to get the gold trophy this year. 
Because when you look at Liverpool play, there's no fear of them losing the game. Even though Steven said it was a 1-0 game and a half-fought game, there was no doubt that Liverpool was going to win that game because there's always that moment of brilliance from some key player. Yeah, you know, they've definitely changed since Klopp first walked into the team. Um, you know, back then, if they went up three goals, you still weren't sure if they were going to win the match. Now Correct. they're mentality monsters, as they say. They n- always know that they're in this game, and you're right. It strictly comes from that performance at Barcelona and a yep. few others from last year. And, you know, they're champions, and they have that champion attitude. Correct. It's, it's, they're just acting like they've been there before, which they have. Yeah. I love it. And one little tidbit i like to add. Onto this before we move on from Liverpool. Trent Alexander-Arnold, he had an unbelievable December. He won Player of the Month. First fullback since August 2007 to win the award. Can anybody tell me who was the last fullback to win that? Ashley Cole? Yeah, I was going to say Ashley Cole. No, Micah Richards. Wow. Can you believe that? Micah Richards, former City great. Damn. Not even in the league anymore. <laughs> yeah, moving... I... wow. Yeah, unbelievable, right? But moving yeah. on to Aston Villa uh, at home to City. This was an absolute belter for City. Uh, they won six to one. Aguero had three. Mares had two. Jesus had one, and then El Ghazi got a PK at the end. I mean, City just absolutely destroyed Villa. Aguero, all-time non-British goal scorer in the Premier League. Also, 12th hat-trick in the league, which is another record. So, he set two records this game. Unfortunately for Shane, he did pass your boy, Thierry Henry, on the list. Um, Villa did line up in a 5-3-2, but ultimately that did not help. It was very, very defensive for them, and they still got smoked. (laughs) Paul, City, these guys are scoring a lot of goals again. Kevin De Bruyne's running riot. They look absolutely clinical. Yep. They're back. Uh, maybe not defensively quite yet. Uh, Laporte's still injured. We'll see. He'll need to be at his best, definitely. But with uh, Cunaguero back in form and back to health and Mares finding some form, De Bruyne keeping his form, they're just an absolute juggernaut. And this is – they did it without Sterling this game, which is also pretty impressive. Yep. But um, yeah, last three results: six, six to one, three to one, four to one. So there's they're in the goals. Yeah, I mean, I think it all comes down to to Kevin De Bruyne. He is the best midfielder in the world for me, like no question. If you, yeah. if you if you give me that list, I'm picking Kevin De Bruyne every day of the week to put a team around. But one yeah. thing I will say is that you just listed those three results. They always do give up a goal, so the defense is still <laughs> their issue. Obviously, when Laporte comes back, we've mentioned it so many times, they'll, they'll kind of solidify back there. But, no, they, they just can't stop scoring. De Bruyne, 14 assists. Yeah. Double, double the, the next closest person on seven. So, he's just absolutely tearing it up. Who's the next closest person? <laughs> uh, there's a few people, but <laughs> Trent is there. I love it. I love Eric, it. I know that's what you're referencing. It was. It was. You know me well. <laughs> Shane Cunaguero passes your boy Thierry Henry on this top scorer list for a foreigner. Who's better? Thierry Henry, hands down. Wow. Um, Sergio Aguero is a great striker. 
but he really scores goal that makes you say, ooh, or ah, or that was a thing of beauty. He scores tappings. Thierry Henry dominated the league. He was not only the top goal scorer, he was the best player. As you stated earlier, Andrew, Kevin De Bruyne is the best player on Man City. It's not even Kun Aguero. He doesn't have that Thierry Henry factor. The only strike that I think came close to Henry in dominating games was probably Liverpool's Fernando Torres. When he was playing, he had defenders on their toes. They all back off of him. And let's point out something else here. Thierry Henry not only scored goals, but he provided assists. Yep. So he was an overall better player than Kun Aguero. That's not to take away from Kun Aguero's brilliance because he's a clinical finisher, but he's also injury prone and he's playing on a stacked Man City team. Um, in addition, Kun Aguero never did it in the Champions League the way Thierry Henry did. There were several games where he single-handedly took out Barcelona and Real Madrid. Yep. And if not for some officiating errors, Arsenal would have probably got a Champions League trophy too. So hands down, Thierry Henry is a better striker. Here's another question for you, Shane. Is mm-hmm. Kun Aguero or Thierry Henry, for that matter, better than Samuel Eto'o? No, not at all. Samuel Eto'o is <laughs> the, the best striker, hands down, in the, in the last 15 years. Not at all. I love it, man. Keeping the script. I love it. Yep. <laughs> um, Steven, going to you, City have some t- tough fixtures coming up. Um, January 18th, they're at home to Palace. The 21st, they're at Sheffield. 26th, they play Fulham, the FA Cup at home. The 29th, they're at home to United in the Carabao Cup semifinal second leg. In February 2nd, they're at Spurs. So definitely a tough lineup here. Yeah, definitely a tough lineup. But, um, you know, to be honest, I'm actually not too worried about it. I think now that we're out of the holiday break, um, it's just great news for City. I mean, we mentioned the poor coming back, but, you know, somebody else is coming back too is John Stones. That's two starting center backs coming back into this lineup. And, yeah, I know Stones has, you know, hasn't really been great since he has, you know, when he was healthy too, but – uh, I think, you know, being able to put Fernandinho back into that defensive center mid role, like rotating with Rodri, um, I think that's just going to make them much more solid defensively. And this may actually be the time where we talked about them going on a run that might be starting right now. Yeah, I mean, what better time to prove it than with these five fixtures coming up? I mean, they could definitely get some silverware, too, in yeah. in the Carabao Cup. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, even with their next couple of games, like I know the next game is against Palace, but, you know, Palace, you know, the last few weeks haven't really been playing as well as they were at the beginning of the season. So they may be a little bit vulnerable right now. And then, and then with Sheffield, yes, I mean, I know how well they've been playing, but when you just look at Man City's firepower against them, I mean, you kind of have to naturally kind of pull for like things series and come out of like come you know win that game. I don't know. That might be my upset of the week next week at Sheffield. Sheffield don't give up many goals, but we'll we'll definitely see. Hmm. You've been good in that department too, so I may have to follow your lead on that. Well, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have to say. It. I'm glad somebody else did. <laughs> uh, one little tidbit again: Villa did sign former Liverpool goalkeeper Pepe Reina, so Pepe is back in the Premier League. He's back, baby. They also signed Danny Ings. Oh, sorry, sorry, not Danny Ings. Danny Drinkwater. Danny Drinkwater. Wow. Yeah, he's he's trash, dude. Yeah, he start he he started for them. Yeah, no too much. Yeah, no coincidence that he starts and they go down six one. <laughs> <laughs> Shout All out right. to the thirsty man. Yep, former Chelsea great. Uh, moving on to Leicester Southampton redemption for Southampton. We saw goals by Priette. 
Armstrong and our boy Danny Ings, the game winner in the 81st minute to put Southampton up two to one. Um, this comes after a nine nothing loss by Southampton to Leicester. So they definitely had some revenge on their mind. Leicester dropped to third. They get leapfrogged by City. And that's three losses for them in the last five league matches. Shane, we talked about this a little bit last week, but does what does Roger need to do to get things back on track for these guys? Um, unfortunately, he can't work miracles, and they need a miracle because Wilfred and Didi is currently out injured, and he's the key to their success. And Didi, in my opinion, is probably one of the most underrated midfielders in the league. He breaks the play up and gets things started, whether with the diagonal pass or moving the ball out of the back. Um, Leicester had been punching above their weight, so maybe they could look at one or two short-term transfers that will help them bridge that gap or give them another dynamic in that they're missing in DD because there's no natural replacement in that side. So they probably need to bring in maybe an experienced player or two to try to deal with the loss of NDD or give them another dynamic that will allow them to be successful. Um, the other thing to highlight with Leicester City too is they, they're competing against Liverpool and Man City whose squads are significantly better. Yeah. Um, they they have only have their first choice centre-backs. Their captain, Morgan, is about 36, 37. So th- they need reinforcement. When you look beyond their first 11, besides Damari Gray, who comes off the bench occasionally, it's bare bones. So third is around where they deserve to be. And I think they will recover when Ndidi gets back in. But for not, not, Rodgers can't do anything for this this moment in time, he can maybe get one or two reinforcements in, but they, they, they're doing fine thus far. Yeah, how do you know how long Ndidi's out for? Uh, I think he's out for maybe like um six weeks. Okay. He's got a knock in training, so he had to do a minor procedure. So he should be back in February. Yeah, um, well, Paul, that was kind of my next question to you. Do you think do you agree with Shane that third place is appropriate for Lester at this stage? At this stage, yes. They they really hadn't slipped up at all uh, prior to that last five league games. But um, I think ultimately fourth place would be appropriate for them to finish. Interesting. Fourth. Who, who would jump ahead of them? <laughs> <laughs> There's only one team that's directly behind them. And in, in – uh, within distance to do it in my opinion which would be Chelsea I think uh, Frank's gonna get the boys back on track and get some results here Lester likely to continue to struggle as Shane said and we'll see yeah you guys are currently six points back on uh, on Lester but Paul this is also your game uh, game of the, or upset of the week correct I was I was all over this one Southampton with a big bounce back win. Yeah, they definitely have some momentum. Steven, question for you, something that I was thinking about earlier, is Danny Ings a go for Euro 2020? Do you think he makes a squad for England? Oh, man. Um, I love the question, and I, I, I would love for him to be on the team. But, I mean, when you look at the forwards for for England, it's it's hard to see him cracking into that team. And, like, so – and in, in their latest in their latest roster, these are the guys they brought with them. It was Kane, Sancho, Sterling, uh, Callum Wilson, Rashford, uh, Tim Abraham, and then Hudson Odoi. So you also have to think, you know, potentially Vardy going into the team as well. Vardy's done. 
Oh, if Marty's done. Okay, yeah. if Marty out, then I mean, then yeah, then you could probably see Danny Ings maybe taking over for jumping in for you know Callum Wilson maybe yep. instead, or maybe yeah. even Hudson Odoi. But yeah, I think he would be a perfect guy to like. He'd be perfectly fine with a bench role, and then depending on the game, you know, if you need to put another striker next to Harry Kane, you can do that. He could go in for Harry Kane. It would give him a lot of flexibility, and I think with this, you know, with this resurgence he's having. 12 or 13 goals in the season, you definitely have to at least take a hard look at it, if not put him in there. Yeah, I agree. I think I think you, they'll be likely playing Rashford out wide. So the go-to would be Kane, obviously, starting. Abraham, I think, has to get in there, and Danny Ings. I mean, those three guys would be a lethal. I mean, maybe put Tammy or, or Ings in late in a game, 80th minute or something, and mix things up. But Ings has 14 goals in the season. He deserves – at least a look, which I think he got. I think Southgate was actually at this game. So Good. Uh, we'll see. I think he still has a little little ways to go. Hopefully he can continue this form and he can get into that get into that lineup, which would be great. I'd love to see him in, in the uh, in the three lion shirt. Yeah, but but off off of form, I think England should go to front with Abrams and Ings because it's a cup tournament and Ings always scores. Mm-hmm. And Harry Kane coming off a hamstring injury. I don't think he'd be ready for the Euros or even match fit. I mean, I completely agree with you, yeah. yeah. I completely agree with you. I just think it, it's another Tottenham conundrum, right? I think I think Kane is just one of those guys that you can't leave out of your lineup. So I think Southgate, I don't think he'll have the balls to bench Harry Kane, the captain of the England team. Yeah, true. Ho- ho- hopefully he grows some cojones. Right? <laughs> I, I, dude, I'm with you, man. I think it should be Tammy or, or Ings. That'd be great. I would love to see that. Yep. But, um, Paul, moving on to your boys in blue. Chelsea were at home to Burnley. They won 3 nothing. We saw goals from Jorginho. He got a PK, a little step, a little jump. Tammy Abrams on the score sheet. And Calum Hudson-Odoi finally making it on there. Chelsea make easy work of this struggling Burnley side. Um, this was never a contest for, for Chelsea. Um, and <laughs> surprisingly, I, just, I was looking at this game today. Frank didn't make any subs. He played everybody for 90 minutes, which is wild. You'd never see it. Never. Fun, I've never seen that. I, I know. Fun fact for you. First time it's happened for the Blues uh, since the two, 2013 Euros. Uh, sorry, Europa League final. So, Did you guys win that game? Yeah, you won that, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, that, you know, how many years is that? Seven years? That's crazy. Unbelievable. But, Paul, let's go to you. What were your thoughts on on that win? Much needed win at home. We've been struggling at home. Uh, It was a feel-good day for sure. Callum Hudson-Odoi getting a much-needed goal. Looked really good. Um, Building on some confidence he's found, which we definitely need with Pulisic out for a bit. So, yeah, it was really just a much-needed win. And, um Happy for the boys to get back on track at home. Yeah, and you, you also had Tammy Abraham as your fantasy pick of the week. Uh, that I did. Good man. Good week for Hogan. Two, two for two. two. Hope you I bet was on overdue. Paul. I was overdue. <laughs> yeah, um, Steven, going to you, Ross Barkley gets his first Premier League minutes since game week nine, which was back in October. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean – I think this this result in general was just a really good um, result for Frank and and the boys in blue, um, being able to rest Kovacic and Conte and just really have a a field day today was 
must have been uh, feel feel really good for you, Paul, because I know it, it feels like any time Kovacic doesn't play, you guys always struggle to struggle, produce. Yeah. Um, so I think it was really good to see you know Chelsea get a three nil win. You know that being said, Burnley really hasn't been that impressive this year. I think uh, the ginger Mo, you know, he needs to uh, you know get those boys turned around a little bit. I thought they'd be a little bit more um, stronger than they have shown so far this year, but. You know, at the end of the day, like you said, I think the biggest takeaway for Chelsea was, you know, the the good result for Cho and having him, um, you know, again the score sheet. I think that's going to be great for him going forward. Yeah, I, I do want to add two things. I do think Cho was, was had a great game, but I think that the match started with Willian on the front foot. I think that he uh, started the game in the right way. He really pushed the he really pushed the tempo. You know, he was taking players on. Uh, he just looked in a really really good way. And he's kind of what got everything started for Chelsea. I think he got taken down for the penalty on the first goal, Paul. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy, I, I think, is is not getting enough credit by, by Chelsea and Chelsea Twitter. Um, he's just an absolute professional. And I think you got to keep him at this point. Definitely. I mean, he's an absolute pro. I was saying at the beginning of the season that I was surprised that he wasn't playing as, uh, as much as he is now. And now that he's playing as much as he is, I mean, you're, you're seeing the dividends. It's, it's kind of nice having a guy like that amongst the younger guys among the front line. I think yeah, kind of exactly. his lead, leadership by example, I think it's going to really pay off for them going forward. Yeah, and my, my second point was Kovacic only has one start in the last four games. So, Paul, I'll go to you. Is, is something wrong with him or are they just giving him some serious resting time? Like, what's, what's going on here? Yeah, just trying to rotate a bit. Yeah. P- previous to that, he played, you know, pretty much 90 right. minutes every game. So, um, taking advantage of some of these lesser sides and playing Mason Mount, who wasn't getting as much time then. Yeah. And so, a little bit of a tactical tweak, absolutely. Okay, well, we'll likely see him next game, I would assume, but... Shane, ending with you on Chelsea, um, one of the bigger debates I've seen on Chelsea Twitter has been, should they keep Andreas Christensen? Yeah, Ch- Chelsea player, uh, Twitter has some strange takes. Um, for me, <laughs> I'll, I'll keep him. He's 23. He has a calmness that Zuma doesn't have. He has a calmness that Rudiger doesn't have. And he's a calmness that Tomori doesn't have. He also reads the game impressively well. He has that calmness on the ball and a physical sense because he played against Burnley, a team who mm-hmm. gets about, they play the ball long, and he never looked phased. Yeah, they're so, physical. Correct. So so you have such a young, talented player who just needs game time because he's not in his primers yet. And as I said, he's 23. So selling him would prove to be one of those moves like Kevin De Bruyne, Mo Salah, that will probably come back and haunt Chelsea and to go further, Chelsea have four centre-backs. I don't know why they keep speaking about defensive reinforcements. The defence is fine. I think Lampard is just figuring out what is the best 11 and what formation mm-hmm. they're going to play. And once they get some new wingers and add a more dynamic midfielder, then you would see how good that defensive. And they, they'll need a right-back because Aspilicueta is going down in age. They have a youngster coming through. Paul, what, what's that youngster's name again with the dreads? Reese James. Reese James, yeah, yeah. He's, he's legit. been playing pretty well. Yeah, he's legit. So, yeah, there's no need to sell Christensen. Nah. No, I completely agree. They got to keep him. I mean, for me, he was one of their best center, if not the best center back last season. 
I mean, I think he was contending with with Rudiger on a regular basis for the best center back on the team. Was it? La- it was last season, the season before. I think it was last season. Yeah, I think it was last season. He was unbelievable. Nah, it, was it was under Conte. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he yeah. was twenty. Then that means he was twenty-one under Conte. Yeah, more yeah. defensive manager too. So no, yeah. I, I agree with Shane. I think I think Christensen just needs some playing time. Um, Paul, what's what's Frank's concern with him? Is it you know he can't play he can't play the ball? He's not good with his feet. Is that what it is? No, he's like one of he's probably right. our best uh, playing with his. Oh, feet. so it's the opposite. Well. He just hasn't had a good showing when uh, he's needed to this season. And then he's also had injuries, so he's just kind of had a tough beginning to the season. But against Burnley, one more head balls than anybody else. It was really we, – we needed to see it from him. So we'll see going forward. Yeah, I mean, that's only a good problem to have is four – yeah. three or four center backs all competing for a spot. But – um. Moving on to United against Norwich. United go up four goals to nil against the boys in yellow. Goals from Rashford. He had two, Martial and Greenwood. Um, Ultimately, obviously, comfortable win for United against bottom of the table Norwich. Um, I noticed that Juan Monta came in this game. He had two assists, one to Rashford, one to Martial. I think he needs to start over Lingard going forward. Yeah, Monta is aging. He's an older guy. But he still has the proper technique. He has the proper vision, and uh, I, I just think that this is kind of the thing that they're missing. Um, so, Stephen, I'll go to you. The Red Devils were absolutely deadly against a Lingardless eleven. I know it's like what it's like. I've been saying for the last two months. It sounds like Man United finally started listening to the podcast. Um, Lingard. Yeah, no coincidence, him out of the lineup, and look what happens. Uh, absolutely offensive explosion. I know I took Norwich as an upset uh, um, going into the game. Obviously, if I knew that Lingard wasn't going to play, I would have taken United. <laughs> like, that, that's, that's, very, that's very obvious. Um, but no, but seriously, I mean, we always talk about with United what the problem was, you know, especially early in the season when uh, Rashford wasn't really going and Martial wasn't going yet was – they didn't have the create the creativity behind them to get them give them the ball in the right situations, and now you have a guy like Juan Mata come in who you know in like the last you know six years or so he was one of the best in the Premier League to do that um, under Mourinho at Chelsea um, and at United for a little bit. You know he comes in and it looks like he never missed a beat, and you see it today for nothing against Norwich. You know that being said too. Um, I think Norwich's style play kind of fed into this United outburst because yeah. we, we always talk about how they don't like to sit back. So because they still like to go out and you know try and go get the game for themselves, I think that did leave them assess- um, you know susceptible to United. And you know, for nothing result was definitely the right result. Yeah, I mean, I, I respect Norwich for playing proper football, but uh, I mean, maybe you gotta do a low block in this game. <laughs> you, know, you, yeah. you can't you can't lose for nothing stuff especially when you're in the bottom of the bottom of the table but mm-hmm. Shane I mean we've been pretty critical um of of United on this podcast but are we, I mean are we overlooking this United attack not at all not at all um <laughs> Anthony Marshall came from Monaco with a hefty price tag right he was almost 60 million dollars yeah so a 60 million dollar striker scoring eight goals thus far this season is probably lower than what we expect um, in addition to that, Marcus Rashford is very raw, unfinished. Um, I think long term he proved to be a winger. He doesn't have the calmness to be a striker. 
Um, Stephen pointed out the key was one matter. In Fred and Nemanja Matic, you have two people who can get around the pitch, break the play up, and make that pass. One matter is the only player with the guile and the vision in order to make that critical pass that would open up the space for Marshall and Rashford to run into. Yeah. Um, they're not being overlooked. They're exactly where they should be. The, the price tag plus their weekly wage shows that they should be producing goals. And the fact that they've only contributed 222 goals thus far this season is why they're there in the table. So United attack is just exactly what it is. It gets hot, then it gets cold. Yep. Great, great mm-hmm. take. That's like poetry. Yeah. That was like poetry. <laughs> so wait, so Shane, if you're if you're a Liverpool fan, are you worried about United next weekend at Anfield? Not at all, because you have one Bissaka who can't bring the ball forward. You have Harry Maguire, who is going to make two or three errant passes that's going to result in goals. And you have Nemanja Magic who really can't get around, and he will can't deal with the the combination of Ronaldo, Mane. Firmino, and you have Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robinson coming back, which means they're both left and right back and push back, which means Rashford and Martial, whoever's playing on the left or right, will have to constantly track back. And Liverpool will probably lick about three or four goals past them. Hot take, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Paul, I want to go to you. Um, United are on the, are on the hunt for, for your Blues. Do you think they can uh, keep pace? I think they're four or five points behind at the moment. Yeah, five points back. Um, honestly, too close for comfort. They're right there. And if Blues slip up a little bit, United can score some goals and play some defense. They'll be right there. So, yeah, they're, I, I don't put it past them at all. It's going to depend on them getting hot and Chelsea slipping up a little bit. Yeah, I just I just think that Chelsea need to find some consistency over the next few games. Um, I agree with Shane. I don't think United will will beat uh, Liverpool at at Anfield. And nobody's nobody's done that. So I think it's an opportunity for Chelsea to gain some gain some points on them. Yep. But to end our focus teams here, Palace were at home to Arsenal, ended in a 1-1 draw. We saw a goal from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and a goal from Jordan Ayew. I watched this game at 7.30 in the morning here on the East Coast. It was very scrappy at yep. Pal- as Palace probably wanted in this game. Um, Arsenal, I thought, started lively. The Fab Four started again. I thought they looked good. They obviously got the early goal. Um, but then in the second half, Aubameyang goes out with a red card. Upon the initial view that I saw, it, I thought it was just a yellow. But then when you look at the VAR, um, you slow it down. You take some time. It, it did look like a red. You know, he lunges in. No intent, really. Um, but ultimately a red because he was showing the spikes and he clamped down on his ankle. But that allowed Palace to level it up after going down a man. Arsenal are in 10th. Um, Palace are now in ninth. Shane, break it down for me. All right, so the most important takeaway is, again, how bad a coach Unai Emery is. In a matter of weeks, <laughs> Mikel Arteta has transformed the way Arsenal play. Aubameyang plays on the left, but when Arsenal attack, Aubameyang cuts inside, Xhaka moves to left back, and Kalashinas comes up to the left wing. What that does is Lucas Torreira shifts, and then the centre-backs come up. So Arsenal keep that shape, where they essentially always have 
three men in the back, man in the defense. That simple formula has made Arsenal more dynamic and allowed them to create more chances per game than they have in the 18 months under Emery. The Aubameyang red card, it was a red, but we got to be careful with what we do in VAR. I was not impressed with the match officials because they did two things you shouldn't do. They showed that tackle on the big screen, which incited the fans. And when you slow that tackle down and show it on the big screen, it makes it look worse than it was. Aubameyang went to block the ball, and Maya played a pass the other way, and he caught him on the ankle. Red card there, no problems. But it just can't incite the fans by playing that kind of thing on the big screen. Yeah, I agree. the big takeaway from this game, there was 80 Maitland-Niles. Maitland-Niles has been a bit power player throughout his career at Arsenal. Started as a centre midfielder, predominantly played at an eight, and would also play on the wing. He's been one of the most consistent performers under Arteta, and he kept Zaha on lock, even though he was on a yellow card. I was really impressed by his defensive position and the fact that he stuck to a task and played simple. The other takeaway was that Pepe also had a good game, he hit the post, so Arsenal could have won the game. There was also that ball that came back off Lacazette that gave Arsenal a chance as well. The only problem with Arsenal is they switch off. That one moment when they switch off, a lot of that goal. Lacazette fouled, I think it was um, Tompkins, um, above the halfway line. Instead of Lacazette standing in front of the ball to allow the free kick from being taken quickly, he turns his back. They play the ball quickly to Maya. Maya crosses in. It takes a ricochet, and then Ayu scores a deflected goal. If they had just st- stood in front of that ball and prevented that free kick from being taken quickly, it would probably be an easy 1-0 game. But I got to give Arsenal some credit in that they didn't crumble, as has been expected. They fought and scrapped and got a hard on point, and it's back to the drawing board. Um, Mikel Arteta, I'm impressed with his delivery and the way he is unified the fans mm-hmm. as well as playing some attractive football. This Aubameyang red card gives Arsenal a very unique opportunity. You'll probably see Gabriel Martinelli comes in who gives a different dynamic and Lacazette will get to play in his favourite number nine position and be a bit selfish and try to get amongst the goals. You'll have Pepe and Ozil supporting him with the only problem being Lucas Torreira fitness because Matteo Guendouzi, as talented as he is, the boy has no brain. <laughs> he just follows the ball every time. It's it was very frustrating looking at him play because he came in where Arsenal was one nil up and didn't have to drive with the ball. Every time he got the ball to turn right, he always makes a three sixty turn and then goes left. So I so I hope Arteta <laughs> sits him down over the next week and just shows him that clip and just have him work on that one time pass. Because if you look at a player who's less mobile than him, in Xhaka, the way Xhaka receives the ball and plays it. Gwendouzi with his athleticism and dynamism should be doing better than he is. So, all in all, 1-1 was a fair result. And Arsenal is showing some resiliency, which they haven't in quite some time. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on all accounts. I mean, one, Maitland-Niles was unbelievable. Yep. That's, that was the first mm-hmm. thing I took away from that. He completely shut down Wilfred Zaha. Yep. And that's really tough to do in this league. Um, number two, I, I think the bigger thing in this one than the red card was Torreira going out at halftime. I mean, he's kind of your rock in there in the center of the park with, uh, with Xhaka. And then you have to bring in Guendouzi, like you said, who doesn't have a brain, <laughs> as nope. you so eloquently put it. But how long is, um, how long is Torreira out for? Is it just a knock or a hamstring? Or what, so what it's, a, it? it's a muscle injury. So I don't think you pick in Sheffield United. Yeah. Um, the only thing is, if, 
if he doesn't play against Sheffield, I think Arsenal should switch formation and go for Diamond in the middle, which would mean benching either Guendouzi or Ozil. Hmm. They should probably play Willock and Xhaka because Willock is good at running with the ball and breaking the play up, and I think he'd be better suited for the Sheffield game because Sheffield attacks fluently and you need someone there to match their athleticism and mitigate the dynamism they got going on in the midfield. Yeah, well said. I think you get the bench Gwendouzi in that one. I, would, I think you're going to need Ozil to break down that line of Sheffield. Yep. But, Paul, Paul, going to you, um, Pepe, as Shane mentioned, he, you know, he had, he had a decent game, uh, had, a, had a shot that went off the, off the post. But, you know, he's, he's a great player. I just I think he needs to keep it simple. Yeah, we're starting to see more and more good things out of him under Arteta. And it's in, encouraging uh, for him and for all of Arsenal because he's a big-time talent, as we said. Um, taking a little time to settle in, which is normal for the Premier League, but just have to be patient with him. And under Arteta's tutelage, I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, for me, he's he has the pace. He has a technique, he has the skill, and I think he even has the strength to be a great player in the Premier League. But he's just doing nonsense stepovers for no reason. Yeah. Like, he's one of those guys who wants to like beat his man, bring it back, and beat him again. You know? Yeah. Just keep it simple, man. Just keep it simple. Run by him. Put it he has a great left foot. Put the cross in. You know? It just he's a guy who can create on his own. So he needs to do that. He needs to just Keep it simple. Stick to his task. Yeah, but I think I think that you kind of mentioned it. I think you can almost see it is that when he gets the ball, he's thinking three moves ahead before he even does the first move. And it's just like, dude, do the first move first and then do the second one because he's fast enough to, to break it, make it that much more simple. But you can tell in his head it's like he's putting his mind in a pretzel and all of a sudden he's just stuck doing um, stepovers all over again. It's just I don't, I don't get it. I mean, Shane, you agree? Yeah, I 100% agree. But if you if you look at it, right, that's a characteristic that African players come over with. They they try to overcompensate. Sadio Mane did that initially when he first went to Liverpool. He would he would beat the man, cut in, and then try to do something unbelievable. And as he's kept it simple and got his teammates more involved, we saw his game to the next level. Mm-hmm. I like to point yeah. out something with Pepe. At the end of the game, there was a ball when Xhaka was clear through, and if he just threw it through the Xhaka. I'm convinced Arsenal would have won that game because it was a it was a two one one coming down the left. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Paul's right. If if he keeps it simple, he'd be a good player. But I think um, Arteta finally unleashed him, and yep. he's out of Unai Emery's jail. So it's the only big things to come from him. Paul, I think you wanted to add something. Um, oh, I mean, it's understandable for him to want to show his class, especially because he had such a tough start to the season. So I, I completely get it from his point of view. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you can see he's got it in his locker. There's no question about it. But just trying to do too much at times, I agree. Yeah, he does have that – you're right, he has that big price tag on him. But, you know, that can be a little dwelling when um, mm-hmm. you come into a new league and you have to adjust. But, no, I, I completely agree with everybody. He just needs time, and I think he's starting to show his his, his true qualities. But, Stephen, going to you, um, going back to Aubameyang, he's obviously heard all the rumors going on about him, and he claims don't read into those rumors. You know, I love Arsenal. I'm the captain of Arsenal. I want to stay. Do you believe it? 
Um, I mean, I think he, I think he does enjoy playing in London. I think he, I don't think he hates Arsenal. I mean, I think he, I think he knew that Emery sucked and he didn't want to be there anymore. Um, and I think Arteta is now maybe putting a little bit of life back into him. He's like, well, you know, maybe we're not as far off as, as, as he thought they were. Um, but you know, that being said, you know, I, I'm calling bullshit that he doesn't read into the rumors. Every single player reads into the rumors. That's just the, the, the age we live in now, social media and all that stuff. He knows everything being said. And plus, I'm sure his agent's probably, you know, saying some stuff in the background anyway. So he definitely knows exactly what's going on. Um, and at the end of the day, is he going to be there next summer? I, I don't know. But I, don't, I think he is starting to buy into what Arteta's doing because it's clearly working out so far. Yeah, and Steven made a very good, important point there. Um, he is buying into it, and this is his last big contract. He's approaching 30 years of age, and he's a player who relies heavily on his athleticism. Mm-hmm, yeah. So he's trying to secure the next big payday. Exactly. So how is that going to look, exactly? If, if, if he does leave with the summer, like, oh, wow, like he wasn't, like the last six months he was a pain in the ass. Like, do we really want to bring that in for what's going to be the tail end, maybe only a couple of years of his prime left? So Exactly. Yeah, when I saw when I've seen Obamiang wearing the armband recently and all the rumors flying around, it reminded me of Coutinho. Yeah, you know, Klopp tried to give him the armband, be like, "Oh, yeah, if, if you stay <laughs> here, they'll build a statue for you." And something that Obamiang is doing that Phil didn't do is saying that he does want to stay and don't read into the rumors. So, I, I think I agree with you guys. I agree with you, Stephen, that you know, our, the manager change from Emery to, to Arteta has definitely convinced him that London and Arsenal is the place to be and. I would love for him to stay in the Premier League. I hate when players go abroad or, or try to get away or get out. So um, love to see him stay. But moving on to some some other score lines here, Stephen. I'll start with you. Sheffield against West Ham. Um, take it away. Yeah, Sheffield won. West Ham zero. A uh, goal for our our man Ollie McBurney. Um, really good game. Um, West Ham was playing up. They've been playing great with uh, with Moyes. Um, really unlucky with the VAR call, the the handball to bring that goal back by Snodgrass. Uh, I thought that was that was a hammer. That was a great goal. Yeah, that was a great goal. Um, so I mean, again though, it, it did hit his hands. The letter of the law. I mean, it, it was supposed to come back. So uh, definitely a well fought uh, three points for Sheffield. Um, but I thought it was funny. There was a clip after the game. Um, I, I love the Sheffield fans. They're so passionate. They're always great on the road, too. But then the clip came out today. Um, you know, feel free. I'm not going to go into all the details, but, um, you know, McBurney's an American. Uh, I think he has dual citizenship, but he, he is dating a adult film star. And um, so they were chanting, you know, Ollie shagging uh, Ella Brooke uh, through, through the entire stadium. And it was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. You should definitely watch the clip on YouTube. It's That's really unbelievable. Yeah, really funny. So, shouts to them. It was a great game. But, uh, yeah, big three points for Sheffield. And good for Ollie getting with the porn star. I mean, you know. No, absolutely. But, I mean, honestly, though, for Sheffield, now they're still in the hunt for, uh, for a Europe spot right now. So, it's going yep. to be fun to watch. Yeah, they're still fit, uh, sitting sixth, I believe. Um, but, Shane, going to you, Everton at home to Brighton. Yeah, uh, Everton versus Brighton. That was a keenly contested game. Um, in my opinion, two teams that are evenly matched. As you guys know, I'm a huge fan of Lewis Dunk. Uh, mm-hmm. In addition to Lewis Dunk, they have a few tidy players like Aaron Moy, mm-hmm. 
who's who's in my opinion one of the better midfielders. Um, I'm pretty sure some of the bigger clubs are going to be looking at him. His his technique is impeccable, and he he's just so calm on the ball. Work great right, too. That, yeah, 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 definitely. And he and he can play left, right, or through the middle. Yep. Yeah. Um, is, he, is he Australian? I, I'm not sure to be honest. I think he's Australian. I believe he is. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But he he and Fleck from Sheffield don't get enough credit. Yeah. Ex- yeah Fleck Fleck is a really good player. Fleck's a really good player. Um, Ever Everton had a moment of brilliance from Richardson. Um, my boy Wally Walcott had a had a good game. They they're definitely missing um. The Nigerian Messi, Alex Iwobi. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it, it was a fair result and, and good win by Everton. You could see why Carlo Angelotti has had a successful coaching career after he had a successful playing career. Um, the way he sets Everton up every game is different. And he gives them different looks where in attack, they play a totally different formation than doing defence. And I think it's going to take Premier League sides some time to actually figure out what's what's he actually doing there. When you look at the the cup game they played against Liverpool, it was a moment of brilliance that caused them to lose that game, even though they were being dominated, which shows that they have some defensive resiliency and are buying into Carlo's uh, techniques and, and, and the little tweaks he's doing in his formation. So I'm interested to see how Everton finishes the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we all are. I mean, I'm a big Ancelotti fan. He's one of the best ever, so glad he's back in the prem. Um, Paul, going to you, Wolves against Newcastle. Wolves are at home. Yeah, 1-1 one, one draw on this one. A little bit surprising from Wolves uh, as Newcastle has been banged up. But um, early goal from Miguel Almiron for Newcastle was enough for them to see out the draw. Uh Dedendacker for Wolves pegged back pretty quickly after Almiron scored and the rest of the game kind of a, a rock'em sock'em game but 1-1 yeah I, I want Almiron to keep scoring I mean he's he came from the MLS I think mm-hmm. um, and I, I would love to see that kind of transition happen more often kind of proving that the American League can contribute to the other world leagues so Mm-hmm. Um, good for Almiron. I think that's his second or third goal of the season. But Second. Um, he's had a second. tough start, but he's playing pretty well. He's starting to find some form. Yeah, I think he's goals. a fan favorite, too. Everybody loves him. Yeah. Um, but I'll round it up here. Bournemouth were at home to Watford. This was my upset of the week, and I was spot on again. Uh, Watford won 3 nothing. We saw goals from DeCorey right before the half. Troy Deeney got a goal. And Pereira got a goal as well. Um, I mean, Watford just keep on rolling. They are unbelievable right now. I think that they're officially out of relegation. Um, Let's check that really quick. Yes, they are. Aston Villa is in relegation now. So Watford's officially out. And I think they're just going to keep on moving here uh, going forward. But Nigel Pearson. Nigel Pearson keeping it up. But let's preview game week 23 now, which is this weekend coming. I'll start. Um, Watford are at home to Spurs on Saturday at 7.30 a.m. here on the East Coast. I think it's another upset. I'm picking my boys Watford again. Roll it while it's hot. Mm, wow. Like Smooth says. Two to one Watford. If you're looking at the money line, plus 235. You can make some serious coin here. Um, Watford at home, two to one against Spurs. 
Shane, I'm going to go to you. Arsenal are at home to Sheffield. Uh, back on the best pitch in England. Arsenal is going to defeat Sheffield. Three goals to one. We're going to see some sick, sick play. Uh, Mesut Ozil is going to be amongst the goal. And Lacazette is going to get back to goal scoring form. 3-1 to the Arsenal. Yeah, Lacazette's in, the, uh, in a little drought, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He is. He is. His 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 record is not the best at this moment. Well, perfect time for him to bounce back. Correct. He's he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy. That's why he's been dropping. <laughs> yep. Steven, going to you, Brighton at home to Aston Villa. Yep. Um, I've been liking Brighton's play all season. I'm going to keep going with them. I think Villa... They're, I think they're just done at this point. They're, they they keep falling down the falling down the ranks and outside of Grealish, uh, they only have too much uh, too much going on. Um, McGinn's not bad actually, but I'm going to take Bright in three to one. I think Grealish is going to get one. Nice, Paul. Moving to you, Man City at home to Crystal Palace. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Uh, could be a trap game for City, but the way they're scoring of late. <clears throat> Uh, I expect Sterling to have a big game. I think they will win 3-1 against Palace. A lot of 3-1s here. A lot of 3-1s. You know, I'll switch it up on this one. Norwich at home to Bournemouth, the bottom feeders of the league here. Um, Norwich are dead last, and they're actually favored in this game. I'm going with a 2-2 draw. I don't think either team has it in them to get a result out of this. They're both <laughs> absolutely trash. Yeah. 2-2 uh, draw would get you plus 255 on the money line. Again, I'm just trying to make you guys some money. Shane, Southampton at home to Wolves. Yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 to Southampton. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the podcast, Danny Ings is an incredible goal-scoring form. Um, in addition to Danny Ings... You have a quartet of English players who, in my opinion, are some of the best technical players ever. You have Nathan Redman. You have, uh, what's his name that plays in the center mid? James Ward-Prowse. Uh, number 16, Ward-Prowse. Phenomenal techni- technical player. And you have Rat Bertrand at left back. And those three, in, the, in combination with Danny Ings, has been playing some incredible um, football and Southampton, after that 9-0 loss to Man City, has definitely shown a lot of improvement and continues to play football the right way. Wolves is a team that's going to come out and look to play, and that should be a fascinating game. But going purely off form, I think Southampton is going to win this 2-1. 2-1. Um, quick correction, Southampton lost to Leicester 9 nothing. Shane, come on, man. Oh, Leicester. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're better than that. But no, uh, dude, Ryan Bertrand is the most underrated He's yes. one of the most underrated players in the league. I yeah. can't believe that he's still at Southampton. But you're right. Like he, his delivery on the left flank, yep. he can get up and down the pitch, and he can defend. Like he, I'm surprised he didn't go to Chelsea or like one of those big teams. You know. Well, he, well, he was at Chelsea. I was gonna say. Oh, he was he at Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's what he actually won the Champions League with um, Di Matteo in his interim stint. Yikes. All right, well, yeah. I guess we were both wrong in, the, in that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I had, to, had to point it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to, man. I love it. Uh, Steven, going to you, West Ham at home to Everton. Yeah, so I've been loving Everton's play with uh, between Ancelotti and uh, and the, under my other boy there, Dunk. Um, but West Ham also, they've been playing great. Like Mark Noble has been resurgent under, under David Moyes. So this is going to be a really interesting game. 
I'm going to take it as a draw one-to-one. Uh, I think it's just going to be a, a really good back and forth. Yeah, one-one can win you some money too. Paul, going to you, Newcastle at home to your boys in blue. Yeah, uh, I expect Chelsea's form just to continue here to pick up a little bit. I think it's going to be a 4-1 smashing. Callum Hudson-Odoi, Tammy Abraham, Willian. It's going to be a goal fest. Bold call. Bold call by Paul. Uh, I'll round it up here before we get to the game of the week. Burnley is at home to Leicester. Um, Ginger Moe, he might get sacked, man. He, he might be done after this year. Burnley are just absolute trash. Um, they're heading towards relegation as well. I think Leicester pumps them maybe 4 nothing here. 4 nothing for Leicester. Uh, uh, in, uh, I think I think Burnley's going to pull something out of this game. We got to remember, Leicester's missing Wilfred and Didi. Yeah, but Burnley has absolutely nothing. Ashley Barnes is injured. Ashley Barnes, yeah. He's their only physical presence up top. Chris Wood, I think, is absolute trash. They um, just they just need one long ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Soyuncu and Johnny Evans specialize in long balls, you know. True, true. So but Johnny we'll, Evans is due a mistake. You're right. Oh, yeah. You're right. He's always up for a mistake. Yeah. Um, all right, let's round it up with the game of the week. Liverpool at home to Man United on Sunday at 1130 here in the States on the East Coast. Uh, Steven, I'm going to start with you here. Uh, yeah, I really hope we slaughter these guys. Um, I don't think we will. I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. That being said, we're still going to come away with a 2-0 two, two no- two victory. I just think our, our front three, um, we're going to find a couple of ways to get by uh, Maguire and the boys back there. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Liverpool victory as well. Obviously, I'm extremely biased. Um, <laughs> but I think they're going to have – I think they're going to go up 3 nothing, and we, they might uh, – United might get a consolation goal, maybe a Mason Greenwood goal in front of the cop. You know, maybe give the kid a round of applause. He's, he's a great player. But, um, no, I think Liverpool will take care of business. All I go to Solskjaer loses to Jurgen Klopp, and Liverpool just absolutely uh, dismantled the United faithful. Uh, Andrew, you got to stick a pin with that Mason Green would be a great player. He has talent. He's he's, he's not great. Dude, he's going to be great. Talented. He's going to be talented. great. Uh, I'm speaking uh, for the future. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> is this is because this I called you out a little earlier? Are you, are you trying to get back to me again? <laughs> no, no. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just trying to temper expectations because when we say great, the only great like English player in the league you might have one or two. You you have Trent Alexander Arnold. You have Raheem Sterling. Be- besides that, there's no great English player like Tammy Abram has promised. Then you got Macy Greenwood, who's like just breaking in. We got to see what he can do in like do 10, 15 Harry games. Uh, uh, Harry Kane has a great shot, scores a goal, but he's he scored forty goals this season, never won anything. So, not in void, <laughs> not in void. <laughs> All right, well, who you, Shane, who are you taking in this game? Uh, in this game, Liverpool, of course, like like hands down. Uh, Liverpool, again, is probably going to get the gold trophy. It's probably going to be Invincibles part two. Um, Manchester United is going to get shellacked. Shout out. So you, what, what's your score prediction? Uh, probably five or six nil. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I love yeah. that, dude. Love God. that. All right, Paul, All finish right. it up. Upset of the week right here. United going into Anfield and beating Liverpool. I think it's going to be a close one, 2-1, 1-0, something like that. United 
United, you heard it here first. United all season, they've beaten the big teams. They're at their best when they counter, and this isn't going to be an exception. Dude, you want to talk about unbearable if United beat Liverpool and Anfield? Oh, my God, yep. dude. That would suck. I know. I, I'm I Paul, know. just for the record, what is your – you just created a Twitter handle. Is that correct? We will wait till next week uh, after I get this game correct. <laughs> yeah. I was going to broadcast it to every little uh, Yeah, I know. I know exactly. <laughs> I uh, uh, love it. Uh, let's move it on to our fantasy picks of the week and upsets of the week to finish up the episode. I'll start with the fantasy pick of the week. Um, I th- agree with Paul. I think the Blues absolutely dismantle Newcastle. They're going to have a great game. I think that Willian's in really good form right now. He's going to start it off for the Blues again. He's going to be slicing and dicing down the wing. Uh, he might get a goal. He's definitely going to get an assist to Tammy Abraham. Willian is my fantasy pick of the week. Uh, Steven, let's go to you for your fantasy pick of the week. Great pick. Cool. Yeah, I've been going back and forth with what I wanted to do, but in, in the end, I really need my fantasy team to bounce back. So I'm going to go with my second overall pick, uh, Raheem Sterling. He's going to get a goal in an assist against Crystal Palace. He didn't play last week. costed me a game. He's going to come in today against uh, – I mean, this next week against Crystal Palace and make up for all of it. Uh, I think I actually play you uh, this weekend coming, so that'll be nice. very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, let's go to you. Uh, I agree with you. Chelsea, they're going to be in the goals this weekend. Take one of the starting uh, three up top. I'll go with Callum Hudson-Odoi continuing to build on his good form he's starting to get into here. Uh, goal, maybe an assist or two to add on top of it. I would say a Chelsea uh, outside back, such as Reese James, might be a good call. But I think Andy Carroll uh, might cause us some issues in the air and get one to blow the shutout. So I'm going with Callum Hudson-Odoi. Ooh. Paul, or, uh, sorry, Shane, who is your fantasy pick of the week? Alexander Lacazette. Mm. Lacazette is due a few goals. He's been really close. He's going to have a good week in training. Bang two goals in against Sheffield. Arsenal will be back on track. I love it. Let's move on to our upsets of the week. Shane, I'm going to stick with you. Who's your upset of the week? My upset of the week is Burnley. Um, as I stated earlier, they just need one long ball. And I'm convinced Bernie's going to beat Leicester Sunday morning. Wow. You think they're going to beat Leicester? Yep. Yep. It's going to be like like an 87-minute long ball, double deflection, (laughs) bundled in by one of their central defenders. I'm making a note of that. I'm going to bring this up in the next episode. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Paul, let's go to you. Who is your upset of the week? As I said, uh, United over Liverpool. I'll, I'll give you guys another one, just just because I'm I'm uh, feeling it this week. I will go with Norwich over Bournemouth. Technically, an upset in the standings. It is although technically Bournemouth an upset. Bournemouth uh, hasn't been in good form whatsoever. Eddie Howe in the hot seat there. Uh, Norwich. They can score some goals. It's going to be a matter if they can keep them out. So no Pookie though. Take Norwich. That's Aww. right. No Pookie, but tough they, one. Yeah, Actually, tough, he might. But... He might play. I think he has a seventy-five percent. He didn't play last weekend. Right. He 
he might be back for this one. Yep. In which case, if he is, hammer that all day. If not, Cantwell, Buendia, they got enough there. Big fan of Buendia. And for those of you keeping track at home, Paul is two for two from last weekend with his fantasy pick and his upset of the week. Mm -hmm. So maybe roll it while it's hot. Uh, Steven, who is your upset of the week? So, uh, Blew it last week with Norwich. I apologize, everyone. Um, I'm going to take Southampton and Wolves. So, go, before Norwich, anytime I took an upset of the week, they always end up drawing. Um, but still, I think, just again, with, with what Shane's prediction was for this game, Southampton's form right now is just really good. And, and Wolves, I think, have been playing down the last few weeks. So, I'm going to take Southampton to win. Beautiful. Uh, I'll finish it up. I am... As I just said, rolling it like it's hot with Watford. I think that they are at home and they're playing against Spurs. Mourinho is going to have a tough time with a Nigel Pearson team. They're going to win. They're going to win two to one, as I said earlier. And plus two thirty-five in the money line. Hammer that shit. Hammer it. But that's all from us today at the Footy uh, Weekly Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Andrew Scanlon. Thank you for joining us, Stephen. Any last words for us? Uh, you know, up the Reds as always. Up the mighty Reds. Let's get a win at home to United. Shane, any last words? Yeah, Gunners. <laughs> yeah, Gunners. Yeah. Paul. All right. So all the hate mail can come. Paulinho CFC on Twitter. Ooh. Up the Blues. You earned a follow, my friend. You earned a follow. You just better follow me back. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Give us five stars. Five stars. Later. Peace.